Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Fight Like a Girl Pod. This week we have a pretty special Pride Month episode and we're going to be interviewing two of our closest friends on all things growing up queer and part of the LGBTQI plus community. But before we jump into that, Rav, how's your week been? My week has been pretty good. I Well, we're recording on a Monday, so I'm going to talk about my weekend and it was good. I got to get out of Sydney for a bit, but um, yeah, had a few hiccups at the airport. And then on the way home, I learned a very valuable lesson, which is don't book the last flight out of anywhere on a Sunday because uh-huh. I got held up at the airport for so long, didn't get home until 1130. And then that just, you know how it is trying to wind down after a flight. So yeah, that wasn't fun, but I got to see my family. So that was really nice. How about you? That sounds really, really, yeah, that sounds quite nice, but also really frustrating. I think that's like the one thing that I've learned about like flying back from Queensland is like, yeah, don't get the last flight out because you always get home at like one o'clock mm. in the morning. It's truly awful, especially in daylight savings. My weekend and my week actually been pretty busy. I am leaving for my big American holiday in a week and a half and um, trying to squeeze everything in and not get COVID at the same time, which has been an interesting experience, but you know, I'm still I'm still dodging the bullet for like the second or third time so we'll see I feel like when you get when you're gearing up to go on a trip you almost think yourself sick because you're trying so hard to avoid getting sick that you just any little scratch in your throat or something you're just like oh shit it's happening it's happening but you're going into warmer weather if you are a little bit sick you're not going to get COVID first of all but if you are a little bit sick with the flu or anything it'll like go away so quick because you're going into warmer weather that's what I keep telling myself. And then I kind of talk myself out of it because I'm like, you're going to like one of the most densely populated cities on the planet, but uh, just <laughs> mind over matter, I think for this one, <laughs> I'm just going to think myself out of getting it. Yeah. We're not manifesting that a shitty trip. No. So no, we're not. All right. Well, let's jump into the episode. So as I mentioned earlier, we're doing a Pride Month episode this week. Um, and what inspired this episode was the recent coming out of Rebel Wilson and then the ensuing media story storm with Sydney Morning Herald threatening to out her. So what we wanted to do this week was unpack why it's important to keep having these conversations and why it's so important to keep having these role models in the public eye and also dive into why it's so dangerous to out somebody. Considering Rav and I aren't part of the LGBTQI plus community, um, but we're obviously incredibly staunch allies, we wanted to invite two of our friends on. So this week we're joined by Anna and Kieran. Rav, I'll let you introduce Anna. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hi, Rav. Doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So how long has it been since you and I have seen each other? 
Do you remember when we last caught up? I think it was when we had dinner early in the year when I ended up having that free night because a client bailed on me. So I ended up giving you the call. And you you told me about Bar Margot, the place that Lottie and I apparently ordered a $450 bottle of champagne at. Love that. Yes, I did tell you about that place. I waved <laughs> goodbye to all the staff as I left and they all clapped me out. It was fantastic. It's a pretty cool little bar. And like, I have to say, when you were telling me the story about the waitresses and waiters there. I was just like, Anna, I just feel like you were really drunk and you just imagined all of this. Like they probably weren't that friendly, but they really were. Mm -hmm. They're they're like a really good crew. Anna and I met, it must have been what, back in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna was working at a, an old workplace of mine. And this was actually my second stint at that workplace. So Anna didn't know who I was and I walked in as somebody in a more senior position than her and she was like, who's this bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Who the does she think she is coming in here, knowing all the rank? Yeah. My first impressions of Anna were, holy fuck, she talks really loud. Like I printed (laughs) off this meme that had like, was it Spartan or something like that? I think it was Ned Stark because it was during GOT. So it was Ned Stark. I kept it for a while. I think I might even still have it. And it was just like this meme that says, use your inside voice. (laughs) And I stuck it on her desk and she never took it down, but she also never used her inside voice. So I can't help the twang. It's just a natural twang. I cannot help it. (laughs) Anna is also a fellow Queenslander. Ah, there you go. Whereabouts in Queensland are you from, Anna? From Brisbane. Yeah, a little bit more culturally refined than Kieran and I, our Skull Coasters. Well, I'm from Townsville. So, oh my God, everyone on this podcast today is a Queenslander. Wow. I think naturally then like all this week just has to be maroon, like everything we do. I think the third state of origin game is on this week. So that must mean Queensland's going to win. I mean, second, sorry. I was like, um, I would know if it was the third. My father would be on the blower ranting at me hardcore because I was actually born in Sydney. So was he. So he'd be like... God, being a New South Welshman in Queensland during yeah. these like six weeks is horrific, apparently. <laughs> it's also pretty shit being from Queensland in a pub in New South Wales when New South Wales has just lost. I've never seen people leave a venue that quickly in my life. But yes. anyway, we digress. Back to Anna. <laughs> so Anna is also a fellow Queenslander, so we've known each other for a few years now. And um, I believe the next time I'm going to see Anna is actually going to be at her hens in a few weeks' time. It so is. I'm very excited about that. But, yeah, that's Anna and I, and that's Anna in a nutshell. I'm sure you guys will hear more from her in a few moments. But over to you, Lottie, so we can meet Kieran. So we've got Kieran joining us. Uh, Kieran and I have known each other a little bit longer than Anna and Rav. Kieran and I met in grade eight in 2001 <laughs> at Southport State High and have been pretty much like brother and sister ever since. Um, We have a friendship that spans many, many different um, facets, including (laughs) crushes and all of that sort of fun stuff. But, um, yeah, Kieran, I'll let you introduce yourself. So, yes, I've um, I've known Charlotte for a very long time. And in all fairness, I feel like we just have to go there straight away. I did have a crush on Charlotte in high school. Um, (laughs) I... I did actually bleach my hair um, for Charlotte when I was uh, a lot younger. So that's kind of, um, but yeah, we've been friends for a very long time. Um, a little bit about me, um, same age as Charlotte, flight attendants, have been for about 15 years. And yeah, I guess our friendship has gone through lots of different um, decades and it's been, yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, we are like brother and sister. We're pretty much family now, I think. But yeah, basically, I think my mother calls you her other son. So <laughs> she's always like, how's my other son going? But it has, <laughs> um, it has spanned many different iterations and many different memes being exchanged. And I think we can both agree a fuck ton of wine. Yes. I don't even think we could measure it accurately, to be honest. Like an Olympic size swimming pool might be sufficient. Possibly, possibly. But um, look, I I definitely enjoy having a few wines with you. We like cranking on the Dua Lipa at all times of the morning and 
we just have a great time. We absolutely do. Well, um, it's great to have you both on the potty this week. So I might just jump straight into it. So I thought a really good way to open up this conversation is to, I guess, ask a bit of a broad question and I'd love to understand what it was like growing up as, um, I guess, you know, queer in Australia. What was your experience like? So my story is a little interesting. I didn't actually realise until I was 18 um, that I was queer. So I grew up in Brisbane um, in a very religious family, so Pentecostal Christians, went to a Christian school, was a part of the church singing group and, um, you know, was very involved with the Lord uh, for, for a long period of time. Um, and then I had a gap year between high school and uni and started working, um, was in a music theatre show in Brisbane and first uh, met my first lot of lesbian women. And, you know, I think growing up in the church as well, you hear a lot about gay men, but you don't actually hear a lot about gay women. And so for me, I'd always known that gay was a thing, um, but really just from a, a male perspective. And then when when I sort of met met these women, I was like, huh, my whole life makes a lot more sense now because from a very young age, I can remember, you know, I would have crushes on my girlfriends, but in those sort of scenarios, I was always a boy. Not that I identify as anything else other than a woman, but in my mind, what made sense of that whole scenario was that I was a man and then they were the women that I was crushing on. Um, and it was it was only a year or two ago, I think my sister said to me, oh yeah, I remember when you were four because she's 12 years older than me. She was like, I had all of my girlfriends around one afternoon. And as a four-year-old, I walked into the room. I put my arm on the door handle and I was like, how are you doing <laughs> to all the girls? Like, how did I not know that I was gay? <laughs> like, wow, who really, who really took a lot. But yeah, so I think, you know, it, it was tricky because, you know, I think in the last 10, 15 years, or sorry, five, 10 years, you know, it, it's only really become something where kids kids can be gay or are gay and are treated you know as as it's something that could be normal you know like it's just it wasn't really something that I experienced when I was growing up particularly within the circle and community that I was growing up in because it was you know very Christian so yeah wow that's so interesting I um I wasn't expecting the religious facet of that and I'd love to sort of know like you know, what was, what was the reception like when you, you know, told, are your family still religious? Yes. Yes. They're all still, um, they're all still very religious. They, um, you know, I think they've come a long way um, for them. Mm. I think when, when I first came out, there was a period where we didn't speak and, you know, there's still a misunderstanding almost, or, you know, they, they don't get it. They, don't wish it on me or for me. They're still praying for me every day kind of thing. But they are coming to the wedding. And Rav, I don't know if I've told you this, um, but my family will be there at the wedding. Did not know that, but I do now. So that that took a, a bit of a an interesting turn because originally they weren't, well, they weren't invited. <laughs> and I went up to Brisbane earlier in the year and I just said to them, hey, you know that I'm getting married, but... I understand what your mm-hmm. belief is and, you know, the last thing I would want is to make you uncomfortable. This is a day about me, so I don't want to be thinking about you on that day. So I ideally had and I will, you know, come up after the wedding at some point to do like a little celebration but understand it's, you know, not something that you would really want to be involved with. You know, it, it took a little bit of processing, um, a lot less time than I was expecting, um, but then you know, with the thought of a friend giving me away instead of dad. And then um, I think just the the knowledge that it's a pretty important day. They were like, look, we we still can't call it a ceremony or a marriage, but we want to be there. <laughs> so, so wow. yeah, wow. but that's that's taken a long time. So to get to that point. 
There, there are a lot of layers here. There's a lot to unpack. Anna's actually coming back for a completely separate <laughs> podcast later in the year. I think um, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have the post-wedding podcast yeah. to unpack it all. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Kieran, I'd love to sort of, I mean, I was there for most of it, but I'd love to sort of hear in your words, you know, what your experience was like. I just have to say, um, Anna, what You've got incredible courage. I think that's massive and that's huge. So I just want to kind of take my hat off to you for that. (laughs) I guess I've kind of had a bit of a polar, I guess, experience. Um, I've been lucky enough. I've had, you know, grown up with um, my brother. uh, My mum was a single mother and my family have just been extremely supportive, extremely loving. I guess for me, I do remember being probably about 12 or 13 and my mum, at that point, we all had the family computer. So, you know, we didn't have individual laptops. We're all on dial-up, waiting for someone to get off the landline. And um, <laughs> I I remember one particular night, my mum like came in and she, you know, wanted to have a conversation about something. And she's like, you know, I found some really interesting um, web searches on uh, Internet Explorer. And I was just like, oh dear. But To be honest, like I think for me it was um, because I had that, I guess, support from a very, very young age, I did feel comfortable. And I guess I was even thinking, you know, about it today in high school, like growing up, I guess, in the emo phase um, that we did, it kind of, it kind of made things a little bit easier in the sense that I think when we were growing up, it was seen to be, you know, if you were quite quirky and quite cool and quite different and, you know, men wearing girls jeans, like, I was thinking about this a lot today and I do think in some way it kind of did make things easier for me. I wouldn't say it was always easy. There was obviously times when you kind of, I guess, doubting who you are and doubting um, exactly what you're feeling because, you know, high school's a shit show enough. Um, then you've kind of got all your head monologues going on. But I think all in all, I'm lucky because I know every experience that people have is different. And I'm just glad my family, yeah, really had my back and continue to. I love that. You know, this is probably a good sort of segue into what we're going to talk about next, which is, you know, by the sounds of it, Kieran, your experience is going to sound a lot different to Anna's experience around what it was like, you know, when you finally sort of realised that you were ready to come out. So Anna, I imagine for you, there were a lot of sort of other considerations that you had around the religious factor in your family, whereas Kieran, for you, it probably was a little bit different. So, yeah, Anna, I would love to hear what your experience was like. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, well, firstly, I moved away um, pretty much as quickly as I could once I realised what was going on. And so I moved to Ballarat to do my undergrad uh, in music theatre. So I surrounded myself with a bunch of gays, which was fantastic. And you know, I, it was very quickly on that I then, you know, met a girl. We started dating pretty much from like my first week being in Ballarat, and we ended up almost being together for six years. So that that was a very very serious thing. But you know, it was probably only a few months in. And mind you, so when I when I decided that no, yes, I am I am actually gay. And mind you, I'd slept with men like gave straight phase ago because I was like maybe it's maybe it's something that I choose. Um, and, and it's not to say that sleeping with men is a bad thing. Like it's fine. It was it was good enough. To I do. love that description. <laughs> Look, you know, had it. Had a good time, but obviously just never wanted anything more than that. So when I when I realized oh, I'm gay and this is my perception or my idea of what a being a gay woman was, I chopped off all my hair. I started wearing boys' clothes. I ultimately looked like a man because in my mind and my very limited, naive knowledge of what being a gay woman was, that was kind of the first thing that would always um, you know pop up. My outlook or my appearance changed um, and I was very reluctant going home for things Mm. and because I I had then had a whole community of people who loved and supported me who knew that I was gay in a relationship with someone and you know this was this was the new me this was Anna 2.0 and I remember sitting down with my sister one time I did eventually go back home and she was just like look look at you (laughs) I was like yes I know I'm gay and she was like I, I can tell looking at you now, basically. But, you know, she was like, look, mum, mum is not understanding why you're either not responding to things or not wanting to come to things or, you know, always putting off going to church. So 
um, at, at that point in terms of coming out to them, because realistically, I don't feel like I had to come out to my friends because it just yeah. it was then a part of who I was. So my coming out was specifically just to my family. And I told my sister first because she's, in my mind, the most reasonable of them all. And then she was just basically like, look, you you need to tell mum to just stop her nagging you Um, because that was ultimately Mm. what it felt like. So I I ended up writing a letter because I knew that mum would go to her pastor um, of the church and I was like, well, if you're going to go to someone, I want you to be showing them my words and not yours. And so I wrote a really long essay. However, the way that I came out, I also just decided um, to be like, by the way, this is when I lost my virginity and kind of went down a, let me preface this by saying I was quite young when I lost my virginity. Um, It was completely my choice. I was the one who instigated everything. I was then the one who called it off. However, being very young and then growing up in the church after that point, I then looked back and went, could that have been rape? potentially. However, mm-hmm. after then coming to terms with what I actually didn't know where my mindset was, it wasn't. But for me, it was almost an easier way of being like, this is why I'm gay and mm. and kind of putting a, a, it's because of this reason as opposed to it is just who I am. So that that's one part I regret now. And I've had uh, subsequent conversations with mum being like, FYI, it wasn't that. i <laughs> I'm not going to go into the details with you, mum, but trust me, it wasn't that. And so then I think the biggest part of the coming out was then, well, you know, Anna was taken advantage of many years ago and this is why she is the way that she is. But yeah, they didn't talk to me for, well, mum didn't talk to me for a while. Dad was just like, it's going to take time. And then it got to a point where there was like a family reunion that was going on um, and they wanted me to fly up for that. And I just said, well, look, I'm not going to hide who I am. I know at every family reunion, they always ask, oh, who are you dating? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mom, if you're comfortable with me telling them that I'm dating a woman, then I will come to this family event. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're done. Um, so I kind of gave a bit of an ultimatum. I'm very dramatic like that. And so, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was it. And she was like, look, well, I think at first she was like, I don't come. And then they ended up changing their mind. Um, And I don't know whether they had told everyone or like just basically put a ban on talking about my personal life, but no one asked. So I was like, okay, well, oh, well. (laughs) Sorry, that was very long winded. My apologies. No, that was incredible. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, being vulnerable. And I know Kieran said it before, but you just have so much, like, like a tremendous amount of strength to do that. And then, you know, after all of that, like I, my mother's family is quite religious as well. They're Mormon and um, probably not as extreme as Pentecostal Christians, but at the same time, like having all of that pressure when you're growing up and then getting to that point where you're like, no, this is who I am. Take me as I am. And to be able to stand on your own two feet and, you know, say that to your parents, like, unless you're prepared for me to talk about the fact that I'm dating a woman I'm not coming to this family reunion like that's ballsy my my mum's very headstrong so you kind of need to need to meet her at the same at the same level (laughs) it's it's crazy like Lottie you were saying you know you can relate on a religious level as well for me I still to this day I'm 32 and I still sometimes will find reasons to pin things on other things to come out to my parents for certain things that just go against cultural norms for me. So, uh, you know, I know you said that you've had multiple conversations with your mum since to explain that that wasn't the case, but I don't think you should harbour any guilt for feeling like you had to do that because I think in some capacity we've all had to do it and I will put my hand up now and say I still do it. So, yeah, I think it takes a lot of courage and I never knew all of this about you. That's (laughs) that's, um, I've learned a lot today. Kieran, I really want to hear how it was for you as well. Yeah, of course. I um, I think <clears throat> a lot of mine was kind of caught up in the whole teenage angst. Um, I think, you know, going like, I used to love the used. I used to love all this, you know, angry music. And I think kind of reflecting on that now, 
I think it was this whole thing of like, you know, people don't understand me. But I think at that point, I didn't actually really understand myself. Obviously, going through high school, you know, when we did, I guess, living on the Gold Coast, already coming from a foreign country, like I did kind of feel quite out of place. But I think at the same time, you don't really know what's going on in your own head until you can kind of reflect a few years later. I do remember kind of, you know, going through this whole like, no one understands me, no one gets me. And then I remember my mum sitting down with me one day when I was 16 and she had a VB can and she gave me a VB and we're sitting outside our place we're renting on the Gold Coast. And she looks at me and she says, darling, I think you might be gay. And I just looked at her and I said, yes, mum, I'm gay. And that kind of was, it it was a pinnacle moment for me, but I also think it was just the start of a new kind of level of our relationship. And I guess on the flip side of that, Um, I have had a few partners that have had a very different, I guess, you know, uh, coming out experience or a different upbringing to what I've had. So I've kind of seen the flip end of that as well. I do know how lucky that I am um, that I have, you know, had had the experience that I have had. Um, But I think also seeing, you know, the the storyline of someone having to kind of process their own identity and then having to kind of have the confidence and the guts to be able to tell their family, like you were saying, Anna, like, this is who I am. I can't hide it anymore. I'm going to live my life as authentically as I possibly can. Yeah, I mean, my mum, you know, it's it's never really been something she's, um, she's very proud of me. She's very proud of my brother's mm. also gay as well. Charlotte knows my brother very well. And I remember a moment as well, my mum, actually, so my mum is a recovering alcoholic and um, she kind of went through a phase of, you know, finding religion and was uh, very heavily involved with, um, the church for quite a while and it was while we were going through the whole um, you know Australia let's vote if you know gay marriage should be you know a thing which I can't even still believe to this day that it was even something but during that whole process my mum was going to a church she lives in a rural part of Victoria and um, the church was basically saying you know we don't agree with this it shouldn't be legalized and my mum had the guts to actually get up in this church and say in front of everyone that she had two gay sons that she couldn't be prouder and literally it was a mic drop moment and she just like stormed outside of the church. And I just remember, I was like, my God, I, lo- I could not possibly love this woman more, more than what I do. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That just gave me goosebumps. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. just got goosebumps <laughs> listening to that. She's an incredible woman. She's great. And she's kind of become um, a, a mother figure for a lot of my friends and a lot of my, um, you know, people that I kind of have involved in my life. She just have, has this incredible capacity to just love without any... Um, without any judgment. Yeah, so I'm I'm very lucky to have her in my life, yeah. I remember when that happened, um, mm. when she was, you know, finding, you know, some friends through the church community with, in the town she lives in. And it's frustrating to hear such things like that because I know, like I've known your mum as long as I've known you and I know that she's a recovering alcoholic as well. Mm. And when you are at, a, at like a place of that vulnerability, when you're in a town, obviously you grew up in New Zealand as well before you moved to Australia. So she doesn't mm. have a huge friendship network here to rely on the church, which is what a lot of people do. And then to have that happen yeah, as well. And I think like your mother is one of the most incredibly like, she's one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. Like she's just in like, I, I can't even put words together she's so amazing and to do that is just such an incredible act of love and defiance and I don't even think she actually understood um, the magnitude of just how big that was for both me and my brother I think mm. because it it, it it just comes so naturally to her I was like you need to actually take a second and realize just how big of an issue like not how big of an issue but like how strong of you know an action that is and yeah, it's a huge I mean statement. it's huge statement and it's something that we still talk about to this day and she's like oh stop talking about it, it was nothing I'm like come on <laughs> <laughs> I think you know this is again I think we're going to say segue about 700 times on this podcast today <laughs> um but I think this is you know it's a good transition transitions much sexier than the word segue um So a good transition into the next question. When you were ready to, you know, come out and you both had very, very different experiences to each other, how important was it to have people visible in the media who were out and who were living their best lives? Like how much did it mean to you to have people like that to 
be like, it's going to be okay. Or, you know, that's the life that I want, that's the life that I deserve for myself. To be fair, I don't think there were very many people um, when I was coming out um, or discovering who I was. I think really the only lesbian was Ellen. And, you know, that's... uh, that's not saying much. As all classic uh, young lesbians do, I bought the box set to the L word the second I started being like, oh, what does being gay mean? And devoured that. But, you know, again, social media wasn't really a thing. So it's not like I started following who these women were or even really looking them up to know if they were actually gay if they, or if they were just actors. Um, obviously, some of them were. But I think in particular, it would have been amazing to have role models. Mm. And I look at how many, you know, how many public figures are out now and there's still not nearly enough, obviously. But, you know, for those who are and even people like Penny Wong, like in politics, like killing mm. it, um, you know, just... Just like Indigenous people want to be represented in film, in music, in in movies, in politics, in everyday life, you know, I think we want to we want to be represented the same way too. And and it's starting to to surface more. And you know, probably one observation is it's generally still like the indie side of things, or um, mm-hmm. not necessarily mainstream media. But there's certainly far more queer folks out there now making an impact. But, you know, even within mainstream, it's still lacking in my personal opinion. But every single person who comes out makes a difference. And, you know, I think it just, it allows people to go, oh, like they're living a life and the life that they're living is something that I could do too. It, it's hard because like famous people, I don't look at someone famous and go, I'm going to live that life, right? Because I'm never going to be famous. (laughs) So it's it's hard relating to that. But I think what is inspirational is going, you're in such a public eye. Firstly, not for me. So that's a huge task. (laughs) Um, But, you know, secondly, you are being vulnerable in in front of a lot of people. You've got the fear of potentially losing a, a huge following because... Sadly, a lot of people still think that because you're gay, it changes who you are. Mm. Sorry, still the same person, but, you know, that's just people's perceptions sometimes. And so, yeah, it just, it's a, it's a struggle, but I'm proud to see more people starting to come out and particularly Rebel Wilson, like, you know, it just goes to show, yeah, sure, like people dated men and, you know, part of old mate's argument was, well, we'd be writing a gossip column if she was dating a man. Sure. Is it, does anyone really care? Probably not. But at the same time, like when you're not previously out or doing something like that, I just don't think it's, you know, it's no one's business. You should be Mm. able to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. Um, And you don't have to define yourself to anyone. You don't have to justify why now all of a sudden you're gay when maybe once upon a time you were straight or maybe you were bi the whole time. But again, it just, everyone's so different and the fact that it has to matter, I think, is really sad. The more people who start standing up and just living their truths, even if it's not about sexuality, I think the more mm. everyone will realise that people are just people and they should be able to, you know, be good people. Yeah. And as long as they're a good person and impacting the world in a positive way, mm. who cares? I think, um, like, just touching on what you said before, like, it shouldn't even be a thing anymore, which is sort of, I guess, you know, the impetus of like where we got to with the um, wanting to do this episode today, Rav and I is you're right. Like, would they have just been writing a gossip collar if she was dating a man? Yes. But it's not up for that journalist to make that decision. It's absolutely like they have no right to do that whatsoever. It's up to Rebel to say that. And to be forced into that position where she had what I think it was like 27 hours or something to. I gave her 48 hours. Yeah. To not be given the opportunity to do it on her terms. And I feel like the media storm that that article created almost, well, it definitely denied her, you know, so much of what she deserved, but also it just made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. And it's yeah. still a huge deal. Like it's so incredibly important to have, you know, that visibility and to be, you know, Rebel Wilson. She's one of Australia's biggest exports. She's, you know, done incredibly well for herself. But, you know, she was denied that. 
we said earlier before that, you know, Ellen's probably not the best um, <laughs> role model just because she's, you know, I've, we've all read the article. She's not a great person from what I've read. I've, I don't know her personally. I just remember I, I read it recently, I think, or maybe I watched something like on YouTube. I can't remember about her coming out experience and how much was on the line for her, which was um, I think she ended up coming out at Oprah or something like that. And like she like I think she lost a lot of endorsement deals and like her TV show and all of that sort of stuff. And it's wild to think that that was only what 25 years ago, like it was the late nineties mm. and like how far we've come since then, but this is, you know, we're still coercing people into doing this when we're, yeah. we, when we have no right to. Personally for me, I think I've always been one, well, not always, but I have had a tendency in the past to meet someone who I think is relatively flamboyant, mainly men, because I feel like I have a really good gaydar, um, <laughs> but not not for women. Every woman I <laughs> fell in love with started off straight. From a male perspective, you know, there were definitely friends of mine or people that would, I would meet and I'd be like, oh, so you're gay. And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, oh, okay, so you're just not gay yet. And then I now realise how terrible that was, right? But again, like this mindset, and I think also from me being like, I've had a really hard journey. If I can do it, anyone should be able to do it sort of thing. But, you know, it's that whole part, particularly being in the public eye, Mm. you know, there's a reason why you keep things separate. And like Mm. I lived two lives for a period of time where I had, where I was myself in one community and then I would you know go home to Brisbane and I would basically act completely differently because I felt really uncomfortable and then it wasn't until I came to that position where I no longer wanted to be two different people Mm. that I then combined that but I still had the ability to choose when that happened and you know to, to Rebel's point there's so much going on in everyone's lives, let alone someone in the public eye, mm. to yeah take that away or to force anyone to come out. And it just, it's shocking. But I'm really happy that she's out now and hopefully can now live her best life and anyone who's a hater can go wear a tinfoil hat. I don't know. <laughs> go like live in Broken Hill where they don't probably have like internet reception or something like that yeah Um, if we have any listeners from broken hill please don't come for me i'm very sorry (laughs) and they accepted priscilla so to the people of broken hill i'm sorry we take it back but kieran i'd love to um yeah i'd love to hear it from you i think this isn't probably something we've talked about much in our friendship i'm just trying to think about any role models that you did look up to when we were kids i honestly think like because as you said under like social media wasn't really a big thing i mean sure we had myspace but it was more so for your top eight friends that would change every week and then you'd have our really showing our age here no i know i know (laughs) we were out the other day we were at the pub in the middle of the day on a work day don't uh don't judge me here and kieran goes to me he's like you're in my top eight on my phone and i was like i don't what the fuck is that yeah if you update your ios you can have like your top eight on your text messages or something like that i was like oh god i guess well like 90s fashion's coming back in so now Mm -hmm. we're getting Mm -hmm. top eight back again i don't think really there was any kind of like i guess pinnacle kind of like people that i can think of i mean i did grow up loving boy george i did grow up loving the spice girls and i think look i still love the spice girls and i'm never going (laughs) to stop loving them so that's just my reality but i think and it, it was kind of more when i when I had the conversation with my friends and I remember even having this conversation with you, Lottie, it was like, you know, I I put so much emphasis on coming out because it seemed like it was going to be this massive moment that, you know, I'd, I'd been wanting to kind of have happen for so long. And to be honest, the reaction was like, Oh yeah, we know. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I've obviously been like stewing for like the last few years, you know, and it was just, I mean, luckily I had friends were obviously that receptive to it, but, it was kind of even sometimes them knowing, not knowing before I did, but starting that conversation for me, if that makes mm. sense, which I'm thankful for because obviously it just made me feel super comfortable and I felt quite safe. But I think living, you know, obviously living in the public eye as a celebrity and having to experience what Rebel has, I think it's 
um, crazy it's still happening, especially after we've come so far um, in terms of educating. And it's just the importance of having these conversations is huge. I don't think someone coming out needs to be such a huge, massive deal. It's already big enough for someone kind of having to, I guess, articulate how they are going to come out and exactly what that's going to look like for them and when they're ready. Um, the mm. fact that someone, I guess, was forced to make, well, not forced, but pressured to make a decision to obviously go public with something is, yeah, it, it still disgusts me. But it, it should never be something I think that someone has to really go through. It's interesting that you say that about coming out shouldn't have to be that big of a deal anymore because that's all, almost kind of what sparked this whole episode for us as well because mm. um, I spoke to Lottie about the Rebel Wilson incident mm. and I almost said the exact same words, you know, like why did it have to be such a big announcement as well? Because on on either fronts, right, firstly from the media outlet, like why is this newsworthy, number one? Mm. And number two, from her side, like she shouldn't have, you know, specifically have to Mm. like label it, which she did obviously by saying she maybe she was looking for a princess this whole time, right? My first thought was it shouldn't have to be such a big deal. Like we as hetero cis people don't go around announcing all of our relationships. And also, you know, she's been out with her partner multiple times. They've been photographed together multiple times, but people just didn't assume that they were in a same-sex relationship. So when do we draw the line that we just shouldn't be interested in that aspect of people's lives? Like it's called a personal life for a reason. I'd actually be interested to understand from like any experiences that you guys have had with friends. So we're not talking about people in the public eye. Have they had to make big sort of, I guess, gestures like that to announce that they've they're, they're in same-sex relationships or that they're gay? I remember there was my best friend. He was still living in Brisbane when I had moved away and I called him to be like, hi, I'm dating a woman. And he was like, oh, cool. Also, I've been gay for years. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we, we're just at this moment of like, you know, and I, and I think as well he had um, kept that side of, of himself like very private and obviously mm. his close friends who were always going out with him to, you know, the beat and all of those fun places in Brisbane. I honestly don't think really for me it's been that different between my straight and gay friends. I think mm. if anything it's just most people have been like, I am with this person now and I go, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Whether, whether they're same sex or whether they're not. Has it has it been the same in your experience, Kieran? I think I've kind of experienced, um, even with friends that, you know, are straight, um, are gay, I, I think there's a combination of different reactions that my friends have kind of gone through. Um, one of my friends uh, recently came out to her family probably about a year ago now, um, and hearing some of their reactions from her family were just like crazy for me to even fathom you know things say you know saying things to her like it's just a phase um we don't believe you and I think to hear that really obviously upset me number one but like number two how dare someone question someone's vulnerability especially in a moment like that and you know her background very quickly you know she comes from a uh, small country town it's um, a very different lifestyle to, I guess, you know, metropolitan Melbourne. But even still, I think part of that, not stigma, but the cultural education is still something that I think is really mm. important. And I think what we're going to find is, obviously, we kind of, you know, keep on going through life. Things are becoming more, um, you know, more known and it's becoming more of a thing that people do talk about. But there's still that underlying kind of I think oh you know taboo you know is it, mm. is it something you really want to talk about are you sure you want to discuss this that does still exist mm. and I mean that shouldn't be the reality that we're in but it definitely is something that uh, yeah friends of mine have experienced in the last year year or two. Yeah Kieran just to sort of follow on from that I think where we see a lot of confusion or misunderstanding come from from people is where for a period of time you have been doing one thing Mm. and then in their mind you've just woken up one day and gone, actually, no, that's not for me, right? Like if you've been a queer little kid from day dot, everyone goes, oh, well, he's been queer his whole life, like we get it. Yeah. But it's the people who have had, you know, same or sorry, Mm. hetero relationships or whatever who then actually go, no, I'm not. You know, I Mm. think that's where it becomes tricky and particularly even then if you don't, identify as bi like for me for Mm. example like I've slept with men I've been with men 
but I'm a lesbian. Like, like there's, I'm not bi. There's, there's no way, right? Like, there's just, it's, it's not a thing. Yes. But, and then, so I can, I can understand from some people's perspectives, they're like, yeah, but you've slept with men. So like, why would, and I'm like, no, no, but I'm a lesbian. Like, that's just, yeah. so, you know, I, I, it's that sort of challenge. And, you know, I can imagine from Rebel's perspective as well, you know, she has been very public with dating men before and then out of the blue, she's, <laughs> yay, you know, surprise. But it's like, obviously that hasn't just been an overnight thing. Like it's probably been culminating for God knows how many years or her whole life. So, yeah, I think that's where where some of it can come from. Not that it's excusable in any way, but, you know. And I think as well, like I think that, um, I mean, for our generation, it's a little bit different because we grew up as the dawn of the internet age sort of hit and like watching a lot of American TV and all of that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, we generally, and I would like to think all of our close friends as well, understand that sexuality is fluid Mm. and your sexual preferences are fluid. They will change. They can change. And you can't help who you fall in love with. And it's not black and white. Preach. That's exactly yes. what I was going to say, Anna. <laughs> I, um, yeah, and I think, you know, Kieran talking about um, your friend who came out to her family, you know, I think it's people who live, I don't know, quite sheltered lives or who were, you know, of a very specific generation where it's like, no, you are one or the other. And it's like, why can't I have both? And it's quite funny, my grandma still, because, you know, when I came out with her, like she, she again is like, she, she's a very, 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 very um, special woman to me, but she can be quite funny with her humour sometimes. So um, she's having little spouts of dementia at the moment. And, you know, she'll, she'll ask me, even last week, she's like, oh, you know, have you have you got a wife yet? And I'm like, no, you know that I'm gay. And she's like, ha, 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 joking. And I'm like, come on, man. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, obviously, hearing, you know, her history and her being so open with how she found things growing up obviously a very different yeah. year to where any of us are from and people having to like have weird waltzes at a dance to like show their sexuality I'm like it's amazing to see how far we've come but mm. I definitely agree with you Lottie like there's always going to be um you know obviously people that aren't exposed to certain situations and perhaps haven't had the education and don't really know how to approach something hence why mm. these conversations are so important yeah Absolutely. I think um, I'd love to hear from both of you what advice you would give to anybody grappling with their sexuality and hesitating to come out. Um, From my perspective, I would say it always gets better. I would Mm. say that, you know, sometimes it feels like you're at the end and there's no hope for it. But, you know, there are a lot of queer people out there you actually don't have to go as far as you think to find one um, and, you know, take it take it in your own time. But ultimately, you know, my preference is the sooner that you can start living your truth, the happier you will be. And whether that means moving away, changing your situation or just trusting in a friend or two or five, if you have that many close friends to, to just say, hey, like, I just need to tell you something and again it doesn't have to be that big of a thing but I think um working out what makes the most sense for you but yeah I just I can't imagine living another day where I would have to suppress who I am Mm. so I think the sooner you can do that even if it's really hard to begin with and everything goes to shit it may that's it's not always a cakewalk but I think you know there are a lot of people out there who will love you and surprisingly support you. You know, the company that Rav and I met was Bible Belt Texans and I was out with them, you know, from day dot. And for people who you would consider very conservative Christians were some of the most accepting people I'd ever come across, particularly in a workplace. So, you know, I think sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt. There are still going to be horrible people and hopefully they'll Hopefully they'll get that 5G in their brain and and melt away. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, just just trust in who you are and, like, take your time, but do it as quick as you can almost. Like it's it's that kind of oxymoron. But, yeah, just 
just trust that you've got good people around you and lean on them. I think for me, it, it's it's kind of this understanding that sexuality is such a journey. Um, and even, even for me, it still continues to be. I think my biggest message would be is just, you know, be proud of who you are. There really is no one in this world that is going to be like you. And as rough as the journey might be sometimes, I think looking back, I guess, in the last 10, 15 years, personally, my own life, I, I, I could, as you said, Anna, I couldn't imagine living a day where I'm not being 100% me. Um, living a life that, that is authentic to me. And I guess it's, it's kind of finding your voice as well. Um, the journey isn't always going to be easy. It's not always going to be, be rainbows and butterflies. But I think starting, yeah, as you said, starting as soon as you can. And I guess knowing that there are so many people that will provide support, whether that be a conversation you have with someone or um, getting advice from someone on how to approach something. Um, none of us are alone. And I think that's something we can probably all agree with. And it's, yeah, just finding the courage to to start having those conversations. Thank you both so much for the conversation today. This has been such an amazing episode. Honestly, I, I didn't anticipate that the conversation would lead in some of the directions that it did lead into. So, you know, thank you both for being so open and vulnerable. We really appreciate that. And I'm sure that, you know, our little community that listens to this episode every other week is is going to find something that resonates with them and perhaps even share it with someone who might need to hear some of the things that you guys have spoken about. So thank you so much for that. And as always, thank you for your support to everyone who listens in every week. I know we're a little bit hit and miss with the episode sometimes. So thank you for being patient with us. And I can't encourage you guys highly enough to please share this episode with someone who you think might need it. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, as both Kieran and Anna have mentioned multiple times on, you know, the episode, we still have a long way to go. So I think we all kind of need to be allies and continue to support the group. So thank you all so much for joining. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to Quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.